the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It is a sunny Thursday. Today is the COVID briefing. And uh, <clears throat> obviously, I'll be there. We'll be covering it. Um, something, a couple things to watch for. Now, as far as Raimondo watch, where do things stand with Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo? Well, looks like next week, we believe, reason to believe, could something could change. But right now, looks like sometime next Tuesday or Wednesday, there'll be a full Senate vote on the nomination of Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo to be the Commerce Secretary. Now, uh, Governor Raimondo, that is not considered a controversial appointment. There are, There is going to be some pushback on some of the people. You're already seeing that there's some pushback on some of the people. And some people will have a tough time getting confirmed. Health and Human Services could have a tough time getting confirmed. You only need 51 votes. Governor Raimondo, reasonable to think could be uh, much higher than that. Uh, we do not hear about tremendous Republican opposition, and you would need some of that. You'd need some Democrats to break off. We don't hear anything like that. So now there's a couple things to watch for. Today, Thursday, Lieutenant Governor, incoming Governor McKee is expected at the COVID briefing, and we will talk to him. So he's expected to be there. Governor Raimondo will not be there, awaiting Full Senate confirmation where she will be confirmed and uh, be then named Commerce Secretary under President Biden, sworn in, I believe, by Vice President Kamala Harris. So what does that mean for incoming Governor McKee? Sometime next Tuesday or Wednesday, we believe that he will then become the next governor of the of Rhode Island, will be sworn in. So there's a lot to get to. Now, again, it's it's fluid. Uh, you don't know what could happen. There was that situation where Ted Cruz had put a hold on the governor's nomination, but right now we have no reason to believe that. So it seems it would be all systems go for this to happen. And I think Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe said it pretty well the other day when he said it. It just seems that at some point next week, Governor Rhode Island, uh, Governor Raimondo will no longer be the governor of Rhode Island and McKee will take over. So that seems safe. It doesn't, you know, we're not exactly sure the what hour or day or exactly how that happens, but he will then be sworn in. And folks, the good news, obviously, listen, the weather's getting better. The vaccine is working. The good news today is the vaccine is working. The amount, no one has died from COVID that has had the vaccine. It's a very effective vaccine. I strongly encourage all of you to get it. I plan to get it when it's my turn. I'm not sure when that's going to be. Probably sometime, uh, actually, probably sometime in April, but, or I don't know. It would be great next month, but I'll just wait my turn. Uh, but the biggest thing is that no one is dying from it. I've already heard from some people that say they're not going to get it. I don't understand that. Uh, it inoculates you. This is real. And then you don't, it, you, you may get a little sick, but you're certainly, it's not, it's not fatal. So now other good news is the amount of people in the hospital is declining drastically. The amount of people that are dying from COVID is really dying, is, uh, is really, uh, the numbers have really dropped like a rock. So the vaccine is working. It's also showing that the older people that are getting it, that uh, even though they're coming in contact with someone and, uh, and maybe, you know, coming in contact with someone that has COVID, that it's not affecting them and it's not landing them in the hospital and they're not putting them on a ventilator and, and no one has died from it. And the other good news is, you know, each week now, CVS is going to start to have more locations available that will have the vaccine. So as you're listening today on this uh, sunny Thursday, February 25th, last week of February, March 1st starts Monday. Uh, the good news is, folks, you know, over the next couple of weeks, the first day of spring, which I believe is March 20th. I mean, we're the, just the whole area is going to be in much better shape because then you start to get into herd immunity. So um, so there, there's that. And then it is important that incoming Governor McKee be at this COVID briefing that we're going to, uh, you know, carry live and then I will attend coming up at one o'clock. So keep it tuned right here. A lot more ahead right here on the John DePietro show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 
508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, Professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. The heating season is here. Folks, you need to call JKL Engineering today. JKL 401-351-7600. Let JKL Engineering design and install a natural gas high-efficiency carrier Infinity System, the energy efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. If you think no gas, hey, guess what? No problem. Let JKL Engineering design and install a high efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates of the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high efficiency gas boilers. JKL is Carry Factory authorized dealer. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 50 years, JKL's reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. JKL is an approved national grid BPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL, system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Remember, estimates are free, financing is available. They're licensed in both Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call JKL Engineering right now, residential or commercial, at 401 351 7600. JKL, they'll do it right the first time. Now call them. You don't want to get stuck with an inefficient heating system. What if it starts to get really cold? Call JKL right now. Free quote, free estimate. Estimates are free, financing is available. 401 401- 351-7600, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. It's JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. We, yes. case, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It is time for our legal segment. Joining me, he is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, I want to start off, boy, this was a very high-profile arrest of Bruce Springsteen. And at the time, people were speculating, wow, you know, he must have really been hammered and for the cops to give him a ticket. But, boy, it's another example of once you start to go underneath the story, that, that is certainly not what happened. And, uh, and I find, like a lot of people, the whole thing a little puzzling. Yes, it, it stands for two propositions in the old days, for better or for worse, you know, when a police officer would stop a entertainer, somebody in the media, a politician, um, you know, they might kind of give them a warning or look the other way. But these days, no one catches a break for anything. And it seems like when high profile people get arrested for things like DUI, the cops make a big splash about it. Um, Maybe they think that it'll be a deterrent to others because even rock stars and movie stars and politicians can get jammed up with DUIs. Um, 
I'm not saying that the, the these folks should get favorable treatment, but by the same token, they shouldn't get disparately improper treatment. And I do think that's what happened to Bruce Springsteen in this situation. Well, especially Tim, it would seem that, you know, so the police observe him doing a shot of tequila, but as we all know, you know, the, the, it's, it's gonna you got to be below 0.8. I think he was 0.2. Well, he was, and then they're just trying to, you know, I think they were trying to say that he shouldn't have been doing it in public or something like that. But yeah, it, it, um, it's it's a very unfortunate. I mean, Bruce Springsteen got a lot of negative press. I don't think yeah. it's going to I don't think it's going to hurt his pocketbook all that much. I don't think his fans give a hoot. And the fact that they've now dismissed the charges it's almost an embarrassment for the police. If you know the story and it's vindication for Bruce, he apparently did a couple of shots of tequila. Mm. Now every state is a little bit different, but in some States at the scene, if there's reasonable suspicion, the officer can ask the um, suspect to take a preliminary breath test. That's with a small device It's not the intoxilizer machine. It's a small device utilized at the roadside stop. If you take it, it's not conclusive. It's not evidence, but it gives the officer some further indication of whether the the suspect is intoxicated. You don't have to take that test. You can refuse, and that refusal can simply result in a fine your refusal is not the same as refusing to take the breathalyzer test at the station. So he got dinged for, I believe, $540 because he refused to take the preliminary breath test, I I believe, at the scene. Ultimately, at the station, he blows a .02, which is below the legal limit. Um, There are cases, even in this jurisdiction, where someone has taken the intoxilizer, the result has been below what's needed to prove intoxication, but the person can still be prosecuted on what we call an observation case. So even when there's no test results, uh, police can prosecute you for the criminal charge of DUI based upon their observations, whether you had slurred speech, bloodshot, watery eyes, staggered, um, and failed to pass certain field sobriety tests. With Bruce, none of those things were in play. Um, I think the cops were just miffed that he appeared to be drinking in a manner that he could be observed. Yeah. You know, in, in a DUI charge and the scientific testing that's done is based upon blood alcohol in your system. So arguably, you could take two shots of Jack Daniels and immediately drive in your car. And if you were pulled over, you would not have a sufficiently high blood alcohol concentration because those two shots, to use that as an example, um, take some time to be absorbed into your bloodstream. You know, you, you down the shots and they're sitting in your stomach, not yet into your bloodstream. So, Anytime you consume alcohol, there's if you were to graph it, it's like a it's like a perfect curve. It goes up and then it comes down in terms of what's going to show with your results. So Bruce, at the time that he had a 0.02, he might not have fully metabolized that alcohol. And a half hour later, he might have been 0.08. Yeah. You just don't know. But where right. they happened to catch him, huh. he was not. His blood alcohol concentration was far below right. what would be criminal and what would give rise to a DUI prosecution. Yeah. Um, I think that the court was miffed that they even had this case in the system. I, yeah. I think that the prosecutors were right to drop it. And yep. It's, it's not specific as to Bruce, but the judge was also irritated because, just to back up a little, in Rhode Island, it took us a little while to get video conferences with the court up and running because certain video platforms are just for the participants, but for it to be a court proceeding, it has to be open to the public. So 
when there's a court proceeding here in Rhode Island, it's on something called WebEx, which means members of the public can dial in, if you will, or connect to watch and observe what's going on in court. So with Bruce, with Bruce Springsteen's arraignment, there were like 180 people Oh my God. Who, who tried to zoom into this court proceeding. And the judge was irritated, you know, that this is not a concert. This is not a sideshow. You know, this is a man who's before the court on a serious matter and not for gawking fans to come on board to see what was happening. But that's the reality. So in the old days, if you wanted to see what was going on in court, you'd have to make your way to the courthouse, find a place to park, go in the building. Now, yeah. Bruce can be in a courtroom in State X, and you could be a thousand miles away and zoom into his court hearing and see what's going on. Mm. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Um, reasonable minds can differ, but this judge certainly didn't like the prospect of his courtroom becoming a sideshow so that Bruce fans could see what was going on. And I'm not sure it was just fans. It was probably a lot of media reporters who wanted to oh, be yeah. able to report on it. Um, it. It is an uncomfortable development. Um, personally, in my practice, I like the WebEx conferences. I'm sitting oh. at my desk versus driving to court and sitting around. Um, right. But in a case like this, the voyeurism component for fans or for the press is a little unsettling. I also just wanted to mention it, it also took on added uh, exposure simply because he had just been in that Super Bowl commercial with Jeep. Then Jeep had to pull the ad down. So it added a little bit more. Yeah, and, and now what is Jeep supposed to do? Say, oh, yeah, our mistake. We'll put the commercial back up. Yeah, um, I don't it's, think so. Uh, as we've seen, John, in so many, many cases, the, the first media blurb on any yeah. of these cases um, until the facts are fully developed, the first impression is typically the wrong impression, and the full investigation shows what what was reported and what the public was led to believe in the first instance is many, many times not the true story, and it's not the real case. Tim Dodd, uh, again, folks, speak with our legal expert, Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, the President Trump, his tax returns, you know, we've heard about this for so long. But it did seem significant that the Supreme Court now will not intervene. And what does this mean about his tax returns and going forward? Well, the, the president, in part, was trying to argue immunity. And that immunity um, held while he held the office of president. But now that he's returned to being a private citizen, any of those protections fall away. Um, the president's other argument was that this was not a good faith um, subpoena to get his tax returns, but it was more political in nature, and it was further a fishing expedition uh, because the prosecutors, when issuing the subpoena, could not particularize what information they were really looking for. They kind of just want to see his tax returns to see what they can find out. Amongst the things that Cyrus Vance Jr., who's the U.S. attorney for um, um, New, certain district of New York, they're looking to see if um, the president or his organization on loan applications inflated the value of real estate holdings. If you inflate the value of your real estate holdings, you can get more money out of a bank. Um, it's criminal to misrepresent on a bank application um, the value of assets, just like it's, it was happening several years ago. You go for a bank loan to buy a house. You're really making $50,000 a year, but on the uh, loan application, you say you're making 145000 a year. Um, the banks weren't checking the truthfulness of those statements, and surprise, you get the loan. Um, further investigation was showing, you know, a dozen years ago that a lot of people were lying on their um, mortgage and loan applications. So they're looking into that as it relates to pr the president or the Trump organization. They're also looking to see, um, and I'm not sure it's really a appropriate area of inquiry, 
where the money came from that was utilized to um, pay off and buy the um, non-disclosure of certain women who have alleged um, improper treatment by Donald Trump before he was president. Um, there was all the machinations of whether money went from Trump to uh, Michael Cohen, his former attorney, to pay off some of the women who had made allegations um, against him. So is that criminal? It, that remains to be seen. Uh, the president is in a bit of a danger zone because you oh. know that Michael Cohen is sitting with the prosecutors, giving them yep. line, chapter, and verse on any possible criminal wrongdoing or perceived criminal wrongdoing that the president Trump when a private citizen or uh, the Trump organization was involved with because to the extent Michael Cohen allegedly was the Mr. Fix it guy uh, for the Trump organization. If he did anything improper, unethical, illegal, etc., cetera, um, you know he's looking to serve up the president on a platter at this point. And Cyrus Vance is taking copious notes, I'm sure. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more legal expert turning Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. <laughs> we're speaking with our legal expert. He is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, Tim Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508 336 2110. 508 336 2110 for Mega, M E G A, Mega truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station. Trailer pickup and delivery. 24 hour mobile service. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Make Henry Oil. Make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401 401- Five two one zero two hundred residential commercial fuel oil delivery fuel oil diesel gasoline reliable affordable fuel oil delivery it's henry oil serving most of rhode island and southeastern mass call them today 401-521-0200 remember with henry oil automatic delivery budget plans service contracts lock and cap pricing check out their website henryoil.com or call them today 401 401- Five two one zero two hundred Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history, and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery serving most of rhode island and southeastern mass it's henry oil call them 401-521-0200 this winter i'm asking you to switch to henry oil online at henryoil.com tim we've been talking about mike lindell the my pillow guy he uh was way out ahead of his skis how about the latest it's reported he's lost 65 million since he went down this path with Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood. Well, 
you know, Dominion was saying, boy, he is acting like he's dying for us to sue him. And guess what? He's going to get his wish. He is being sued by the Dominion. He said this is great. It's great in America. But what is the significance of the $1.3 billion? Why do their figures always come out to $1.3 billion with these lawsuits? It's a better headline. You know, okay. to the extent there's an effort, if you, if, if you believe or if you perceive that the effort is to um, damage any conservative or any supporter of President Trump, um, it gets you a lot more um, media coverage and exposure if you're suing Mike Lindell for a billion three versus if you're suing him for 200 million. A billion three, this sounds better. Does it have any reasonable relationship to anything? Um, I don't know if the numbers crunchers at Dominion have somehow come up with that as a real value. Um, I believe they sued Rudy, Rudy Giuliani for a billion eight. I mean, when you sue somebody for a few hundred thousand dollars or a few million dollars, it's just another lawsuit. When you sue somebody for a billion three, it's going to get some media attention. And, and they got it. Now, Mike Lindell has been saying, please sue me. I'm begging you to sue me because I want wow. to pursue discovery. Um, careful what you wish for. Uh, I, yeah. I still don't know how he is going to produce the quality or quantity of reliable, admissible evidence, evidence that can be used in court. Um that will prove that his allegations against Dominion were, were correct. Um, I don't know if I've said it to you, but there's an old adage that prosecutors use, and it kind of is true for any situation where you're potentially in litigation. A good prosecutor will say, if there's a difference between what I know and what I can prove, so you right. might know that that defendant is as guilty as sin, but you might also know that you don't have the evidence to support getting the guy convicted. So Lindell, in his heart of hearts, might say, I know that there was shenanigans with Dominion, but he may not be able to prove it. And if he can't, um, in many cases like this, the, the punishment has some proportionality to your net worth. So, you know, if Dominion sued some guy making $40,000 a year, they're not going to get much. When they sue a guy like Mike Lindell, who is self-professed to be worth about $300 million, or at least he was before he started hemorrhaging money, you know, yeah. he, could, he could get hit with a significant um, um, award for damages. So either he's going to prove this or he's going to be pulling out his checkbook in a major way. Tim, he's not an attorney, so I, I don't get the end game here. I mean, for whatever reason, if he truly thinks that I, – I, couldn't there have been another way to go after them to try to get discovery as opposed to this? I mean, it, it just I, – I don't, I don't see where this is leading in any well, way. That, that's the mystery of all of the Trump attorneys who um, – I, I think did Donald Trump a terrible disservice because yeah. he wanted to believe, I think the president wanted to believe that the election had been stolen. He wanted to believe that there was corruption within the Dominion um, um, software and hardware. He wanted to believe all of these things. And he had a series of well-known attorneys saying, we got the evidence. You're right. We got it. We're going to prove it. And they let him down the garden path. And when push came to shove, they did not have a sufficient amount of quality evidence to convince Ooh. any judge um, of the legitimacy of the allegations of fraud or corruption of the, of the software that Dominion was using. So how's Mike Lindell and his team now going to get all of this material? Well, discovery allows you to get a lot of information, and Lindell will not be under the same time crunch that Trump's lawyers were, recalling that they right. only had, what, 40 or 60 days um, to yeah. challenge the election results and try to get some court somewhere to give them some relief. If they had had 
the normal amount of time that we get to do discovery, they might've come up with more information, but you know, they were on an extraordinarily short uh, clock, uh, like 40 days to try to prove election fraud. It's an almost impossible uh, burden to meet. And Trump's team in a spectacular way failed. Their failure was a spectacular failure to prove all these things they so boldly promised they were going to prove. Uh, folks, we're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, Governor Cuomo, Governor of New York. Now, you have AOC, a number of people calling her investigation. And then there was an editorial in the Wall Street Journal. And the author said that it's a crime to make false statements to the federal government. It's also a crime to conceal information, otherwise obstruct government investigations. Let's revisit where we are with Andrew Cuomo and what, what potential trouble could he be well, in? Well, it, it, it is a crime to make a false statement to uh, the feds if there's uh, an invest ongoing investigation or if you're required reporting that you must make to the federal government for whatever funding purposes, taxing purposes, if you're falsifying information or concealing information, um, that can be seen as criminal. It can also be seen uh, as an obstruction of a governmental investigation, if it's true. So for the op-ed in the Wall Street Journal to say it's a crime to make a false statement to the federal government or to conceal information or to obstruct a government investigation, those are true statements. What I'm still not completely sure of is if what uh, Governor Cuomo was doing was lying or misrepresenting or withholding information in the face of an ongoing investigation or some other reporting to the feds, which he was obligated to do and which he falsified or withheld. So did he commit the criminal acts, which would lead to potential for criminal charges? I mean, the media loves to throw around. He's going to get, he's going to get charged with a crime. This is criminal. Right. I'm not so sure that it is yet. And even if it is potentially criminal, um, what's the appetite of the prosecutors to actually prosecute? Reasonable minds can differ, but going back yeah. to 2016, reasonable minds could differ as to whether or not, let's say, Hillary Clinton had committed a crime in terms of right. her compliance or non-compliance with a federal subpoena that was served upon her. Um, you know, ultimately, um, it was determined that although she was grossly negligent, it was not criminal. Now, a, a different FBI director might have come up with a different result. And I'm not here to argue whether he had the right result or the wrong result, but not every potential crime is treated in the same manner. Um, if the Trump administration had gotten a second term, I think that uh, Governor Cuomo would be in a lot more peril in terms of a possible criminal investigation. With the current administration, yeah. not so much. Right, not so much. Folks, quick break, a lot more. Attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. Ever in an accident, someone hits your vehicle, it's damaged in some way, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401 272 3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them 401-272-3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401 401- 272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, 
Tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the Queen of Health, 401-305-3585. You've seen the her store. It's right in that old white church. It's My Health, because, folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies, who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie and It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, because remember, it's your health. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, a couple more legal stories. One is we all watched uh, these terrible storms down in Texas. And now we're learning that the family of uh, one boy, this young boy who died during the winter storm, that they're actually launching very expensive, I believe, $100 million lawsuit. Uh, because the fact apparently he froze to death during the storm. How, how does something like that maybe play out? It's obviously tragic, but um, what, what, what is your view on that? Well, on this again, lawsuit? suing for $5 million doesn't get a lot of attention. Suing on behalf of a poor youngster who freezes to death allegedly in his mobile home. Um, when you sue for $100 million, um, uh, the media takes notice because it's a big number. Um, yep. Would that amount ever come out of this trial be, being litigated to conclusion before a jury? I don't think so. Um, there's a lot of issues. Uh, his family has sued, I believe, the state of Texas and um, ERCOT Energy, which is the company that su supplies the majority of um, energy um, and electricity in the state of Texas. Now, it's freezing cold temperatures. Apparently, this young youngster lives in a mobile home, I guess, with his parents or some supervisors. And yep. those things aren't well insulated. It's cold. It's cold inside the camper. Um, there's no electricity. And um, unfortunately, he he dies from hypothermia. The, I guess several questions would be um, to look at the conduct of, let's assume, his parents. Right. Did they have any alternatives to go somewhere, yeah. to a shelter, to some, I'm sure there were um, buildings open which could take in folks who were without heat. Um, I don't know. If you just stay in your mobile home, which has no insulation and it's freezing cold temperatures. Yeah. What did they do? Did they do anything to try to get out of there? Did they try Avenue X, Y, and Z and all of their options were foreclosed and they had nowhere to go? 
Did they sit on their hands? Did they think it would be okay? There's a multitude of factual issues that have to be investigated in this case. And, you know, when Urquhart starts asking the family, well, what did you do to try to get this kid into a warmer location? You know, Urquhart's going to be excoriated in the media for being, you know, these ogres who are being unsympathetic and questioning what this poor family did under these tragic circumstances. But Urquhart's going to have to go down that road and do that discovery and try to put some of the blame on the parents for not acting reasonably and keeping their children safe. And what is Urquhart to do when this cold snap in Texas is like something that happens like every once every hundred years or something, such an aberration. Can they reasonably be expected to um, prepare for every possible weather contingency out there? I don't see how they can. Nor do I. A couple other stories. Uh, One, Tim Dodd, this story out of Canada is interesting where, I mean, you think about it, you have this comedian, uh, Mike Ward, and I've seen him just like YouTube and stuff like that. But in his routine, he started mocking this disabled uh, uh, person that was well-known in Canada, that was known to sing and so forth. So he, he does it in his routine. And uh, it was actually a lawsuit about the joke. And I think right now, I, I believe it's being appealed, but I think they, they started to fine him that he had actually pay a, a penalty for for basically telling a joke. Now, again, it's, you know, some people may find it funny, some people won't don't find it funny, but... I, I'm I'm trying to I can't think of a situation in in this country of, you know, can you imagine if the past four years if President Trump decided he was going to sue Saturday Night Live because they were mocking, you know, Alec Baldwin doing his impression of President Trump? But what about this situation in Canada? Well, it's another disturbing attack on free speech. Now, Canada is a totally different world. You know, they don't have the same. Um, constitutional right to free speech that we have. They've got something analogous, but it's not the same. But the very fact that someone is being sued for um, making what they think is a joke, even though it wasn't a particularly good joke, it was a hurtful joke. But if comedians can be censored Mm. and sued and fined and pay damages for telling jokes, um, that is a really chilling effect on free speech and free expression. Yes. The, the, this comedian, again, made a joke about a disabled person. I think he mocked the, the person's speech yep. or movements. I mean, something that's clearly unfunny and, um, you know, Humor is in the eye of the beholder. Right. Some people might think it's funny. Some people might think it's extraordinarily offensive. Yeah. But where where does it stop? Right. I mean, what what can you not make jokes about? Um, the the list would almost be endless. I mean, yeah. I could. Uh, well, let's jokes. think of Howard Stern made a career. I mean, his humor. His fans loved it, thought it was hilarious. The people that didn't find it funny, but um, I, I just—you you even go to a comedian, Tim Dodd. Of it was actually a comedian that started talking about Bill Cosby and his act, and calling him a rapist. And that really is what kind of sparked things up. And then you know, look where that ended. So, boy, talk about a dangerous road to go down. You start people are suing a comedian over a routine. Granted, mean, mean spirited, but. His fans liked it, and uh, I agree with you. Very uh, chilling effect. Where, where does it stop? I mean, yeah. everyone can be offended by something. So, you know, if, in my car, I've got Sirius Satellite, not yep. to take anything away from AM radio and station WNRI, yep. but right. there's about 10 stations which have any type of comedy you want. Right. Um, from a little bit more adult comedy to classic comedy to ethnic comedy. There's all different comedy stations. And you can find stuff that you find funny and things that you find extraordinarily offensive. Every one of those stations has comedy bits on the air 
to the extent it offends somebody, they could all be muzzled and shut down if people yeah. say, I'm offended by that joke. I'm offended by that joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If you don't like that comedian who made fun of the disabled person and you know it going forward and you don't like that type of humor, don't go to his show. Right. You know, don't buy his CDs, but yeah. don't muzzle him so that he can't freely express himself. As, as we know, the, the challenge of, in our country, the First Amendment is to honor the First Amendment is to put up with speech that you can't stand, but you recognize the person's right to say what he wants to say, right. even if it diametrically opposes things that you think and things that offend you. If you can put up with somebody else's offensive things or things that you find distasteful, well, that's, isn't that part of the essence of free speech? It's, it's, yeah. easy, it's easy to hear stuff you agree with, but right. to allow a system that allows for free expression and exchange of ideas, that's more difficult to, to, um, to live up to. And right now yeah. I think that our first amendment rights are severely um, but, under, attack. under attack. Yeah. Another good example is, so you have these house Democrats in Washington. And again, folks, it's the John DePietro show speak with attorney Tim dot where they're, um, they're, they, they don't like Fox news and they don't like Newsmax and they don't like one America. And their solution is they're trying to pressure cable companies like a Cox cable or others to basically deplatform and drop. So you get Cox cable and if they have their way, you wouldn't be able to get, Fox News Channel or Newsmax or One America. Now, Tim Dot, I would imagine that would certainly lead to lawsuits of, I mean, think about it. It's just the fact is they disagree and they don't like Fox News. That's what it really comes down to. Well, yes. And there's, I mean, if, if you like the First Amendment and if you like freedom of the press and a free media, um, the fact that they're trying to stop those out those like Fox and OAN and those types of stations from being on cable um, is a scary prospect. Whether you agree with what's put out by those networks or not, you should have the freedom of choice to watch it if you choose or not watch it if you don't want to watch it. Correct. And it should be something that's your choice. And I, I would just think, and no one would ever ask it, but of these politicians looking for uh, those stations to be deplatformed, what are they afraid of? Yeah. Tim Dodd, our final story is um, this 75-year-old BLM protester. There was the video of this. He's going back and forth. They're yelling at the police, and then one of the police officers shoved him. He fell, apparently uh, cracked his skull, and now he is suing uh, both the, the, I believe he's suing the police, the mayor, and the city of Buffalo. Um, I'm just curious, how come, you know, is something like this, do, do the police hold firm or do the city, do they settle it out that he's 75 years old and that did happen? I mean, he was getting up in front of the police officer's face and, and with everyone in mass, the police don't know how old someone like this is. Yes. Well, this is, um, as you say, a 75-year-old gentleman from uh, Buffalo. He was at a Black Lives Matter um protest rally or rally if you will um the buffalo police were there and at a certain point of in time i believe the buffalo uh cops were asking the the crowd to move back and the crowd wasn't moving back and the police were pushing them back and this guy was apparently in the first line between the protesters and the cops and as the police are moving these folks back they move this guy and they push and he falls and he gets a skull fracture amongst other things. Uh, it's a dreadful result. It's an unfortunate incident. Um, as you say, you know, most of these protesters have um, their faces covered and I mean, how's the cop to know how old anyone is or if they're yeah. physically fit or physically infirm, who the heck knows? This case was already brought before a grand jury. The officers involved were put up before a grand jury um, yeah. on a potential charge of, I believe it was second degree assault on this gentleman. The grand jury came back with no true bill. So 
from the grand jury's perspective, the cops are vindicated, but the cops yeah. aren't out of the woods because yeah. apparently they're still suspended with pay and there's an internal investigation that's still ongoing as to their acts and their conduct. The trick with this case, John, it's all on video. Yeah. Everything at these rallies and everything at these protests, yeah. it's all on video. And right. we've all seen exactly what happened. This gentleman got right up yeah. in the face of the cop. He was not following orders. He was not moving back as requested. No. It's not like the cops suddenly out of nowhere decided to shove this no. guy and knock they him to the ground. They were warning him. They were getting many, many warnings. Move back, move back, move back. Now, the fact that these cops were cleared from a criminal standard doesn't mean that you can't still be sued from a civil standard. So right. this guy is now suing the, the, the police officers and the city and the mayor looking for money damages. And he could potentially prevail as my, my great example is look at OJ Simpson. He beat the rap criminally, but on the same right. set of facts, he was um, assessed money, money damages were assessed against him. So the fact that these cops were cleared criminally doesn't mean that they could still be exposed for money damages. Do I think that money damages would be paid if this went in front of a jury? No, I don't think they would. Is it likely that the city of Buffalo will settle with this guy? Probably. Yeah. Folks, he is our uh, legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, great job. As always, stay safe, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Mega Logistics. They're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300, MEGA, MEGA Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. You can depend on MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401 401- 431-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, remember, if you want to get a hold of me, the easiest thing to do is log on to my website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Now, there you can, if you want to listen to the program, listen live. You can also contact me that way. That's the easiest way to get me an email if you'd like to advertise on the show. We also have all our links to social media. We have uh, links to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram are also on YouTube. You can also read many of the exclusive stories that we do. We have exclusive video. You can also shop and get some of the merchandise. And at the same time, if you ever miss an episode of the John DePietro Show, if you ever miss a segment, you just log on and right at the top, it says radio show. Click onto that. It'll bring you right there and you can listen. It's all in the library fashion. It all starts by logging right on at depetro.com.